Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. with us this morning. Uh, I'm Josh and along with the team uh, we lead here. We've been away on holiday, my wife and I and the kids for the last couple of weeks. So you guys haven't had us for the last two Sundays, but I heard you had great Sundays. I heard Jared preached well, that Dan preached well, that uh, God turned up, which I, I don't quite understand how that happened because he was where we were. So that's pretty tricky. Um, so we just very quickly, we went away, uh, we were very blessed, we had some friends uh, or some parents or some friends that had a home up in the North Island uh, that we could go stay in for, for 10 days, so we flew up to Hamilton and uh, Vision College, which is affiliated with Activate Churches, they gave us a car to use for a week and a half, and so we went up to the Coromandel and had we drive around and checked out Hotwater Beach and um, Cathedral Cove, who's been to Cathedral Cove? That's beautiful. Right? If you haven't been there, then just watch Prince Caspian, uh, the movie from the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe series, uh, because they, they go to Cathedral Cove, which is pretty cool. And uh, then we went to a conference, Activate Conference in Hamilton, and then for the last couple of days we popped up and we saw uh, Chris and Ruth Dieth, who were here uh, a couple of Sundays ago, checked out their new burger bar. So if you ever find yourself in Whangarei and you want a burger, then you want to go to Benny's Burgers or Benny Boy Burgers. They are very, very tasty. But we missed you guys. It was about halfway through conference. I thought, oh, I would just love to be back at Activate, back home, worshipping with you guys. Like We missed all of you guys, except two people. I won't tell you who they are, though. You've got to work it. Nah, I'm just joking. They left. <laughs> I just got to get all my funniness out of the way to start with. So, so my job uh, this morning is to wrap up, uh, wrap up our series on humility, right? Like we talked a lot at the start of the year uh, about Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and I will hear them from heaven, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. And so there's those four things, humility, prayer, intimacy, and obedience. And so we're going to devote a term to each one. You should know you've got the shot glass. I mean the glass. It's not for doing shots. It just happens to be a good size for that. A whiskey glass. That's right. It's not a whiskey glass either, all right? It's just a water. Christians only drink water. So we've been doing humility for the first term, and it's my job to wrap it up. Uh, this morning. Were they this badly behaved when you guys, when I was away? You guys are just throwing stuff back at me. Um, because next Sunday, even though it's the last Sunday of the, the year, uh, pfft, of, the, of the term, yeah, I need to go on holiday again, uh, of the term, we've got Sheridan Rogers preaching here next Sunday. So we're going to wrap up humility uh, this morning. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to very quickly uh, recap kind of the humble statements that we've been working through. We've been creating a bit of a, an avatar of what a humble person looks like. And then everybody's favorite thing, we're going to break into groups of three or four people, and we're going to talk about it and get everybody's input because I am convinced that church should not be a spectator sport, right? You sit there. I know you're all sitting there thinking, great, I don't got to do nothing because I'm so lazy. You're just all so lazy. We're all so, we all sit there and we think, oh, I don't want to contribute or participate. Just tell me what God says. Just tell me what God says the Bible says. Just tell me what you think about what God says about what the Bible says, all right? Just 
Tell me what to do about what you say, about what the Bible says, about what God says. But no, not this church. Last Sunday, I was at a church up in Hamilton and right at the end, they said, we're gonna break into groups to talk about things. And I went, ugh, because I know how it feels. In my defence though, she had preached for 45 minutes and then we broke into groups, whereas I won't, I'm only gonna go for like 40 this morning, so that's good. (laughs) All right, so humility, really quickly, uh, let's run through them. First one was, uh, oh, this is why you want to be humble, right? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I love this verse in Proverbs. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honour and life. That is a sweet deal. I don't know where you sign to get that, but if all I've got to do is be humble and kind of a little bit, you know, awe of God and I get riches and honour and life, that is a sweet gig. So seven characteristics of a humble person. A humble person, I started it with this, is someone that recognises that they can't do anything without God, right? We use John 15 verse 5, which is, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. And then seven words that are pretty terrifying. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is something that I think all of us kind of kick against to a certain degree. We know it intellectually, yeah, I can't do anything without God, but then we say things like, well, that's my job and that's my money and I earned that and I studied hard for that and I worked hard for that and I should get credit for that. But the Bible's pretty clear. It's, it's God, baby. Like, it's, it's all God. Uh, I was reading through my Bible during the week because while I was on holiday, I did actually read my Bible. And I came across this fascinating verse. Let me ask you this question. Uh, I think a lot of people would know if I said, what is the last thing that Jesus said? Like, some Christians would know, oh, it's like the end of Matthew when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. But what's like the very first thing? That Jesus said. If you look at the book of Matthew, the first four chapters of Matthew talk about uh, Jesus being born, the genealogy of Jesus. Then he goes out and he gets baptized by his second cousin, John the Baptist. And then he goes into the desert. He gets tempted by the devil. And then at the start of Matthew chapter five, he launches his ministry. Like the, the official start date of Jesus's ministry is in Matthew chapter five. He's done the baptism thing, he's done the temptation thing, and then he shows up at Matthew chapter five, and the Bible says he pulls all of his disciples together in a big crowd of people, and they sit down, and he begins to teach them. An interesting question is, what is the first concept that Jesus chooses to teach his disciples? At the very start of his ministry, which goes for around three and a half years, what's the first word out of his mouth? What is the most important thing that he decides? You know what? This is the foundation of all learning. He says this in Matthew chapter five. This is the New Living Translation. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. And this is the first thing that he ever taught them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. That's the very first lesson that Jesus ever taught anyone in the Bible is that if you recognize that you need God, you are blessed. And that word poor is not referring to finances, right? It's referring to a poor in spirit, which is why other translations say blessed are the poor in spirit. It's just this understanding, this recognition or recognition, this peace that you carry that, you know what, without God, can't do anything. That's the starting point of all humility. Uh, right, the second thing a humble person does is they include God in their day, right? They walk humbly with their God, which I think is a natural byproduct of understanding the first thing. 
you understand you can't do anything without God, natural intelligence would say, well, I've got to start inviting God into my day. Right? So that's the second thing. Third thing is a humble person confesses their sins to others, right? James says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. I talked about this about three or four Sundays ago. It's much easier said than done. We like to think that we can just kind of confess our stuff to God and then keep things to ourselves. But the, the, the truth is that the devil is a blackmailer. And what he does is he comes along and he says, I see what you did there, and now I know what you did. And I'm going to blackmail you into shame and blackmail you into guilt and blackmail you into disconnecting yourself from the people around you. I'm going to make you feel like a hypocrite when you go to church because I know what you did. And I will use that thing against you as much as I can to get you to do what I want you to do. Now, of course, the solution to dealing with a blackmailer is to just take out their leverage. And so when you confess your sins to somebody else and the devil comes along and says, I know what you did, you go, yeah. You know, I've shared that with the appropriate people. You know, they've walked me through forgiveness. I've, I've let go of that. That has no power over my life. And the devil has nothing. You've got to confess your sins to one another, but it takes humility to do it because sometimes you look like a bit of a doofus. A humble person engages their faith. Chris came and talked about the shield of faith and how you've got to maneuver it around to cover the different areas of your life, right? It was in, uh, oh, well, that's the right verse, but the wrong reference. Arrows of the evil one. I think there's a part of that which says that humility is about recognizing your vulnerabilities. Humility is about knowing this is something that I struggle with. This is an area that I have to work harder than perhaps the person next to me has to. So it's an awareness of you know, your brokenness in some areas and the places that you need to carry your shield. A humble person waits on God. Jared talked about this too, based on Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. This is another thing that is much easier said than done. Man, having to wait on God when all you want to do is just push on and get things going and make things happen takes a lot of maturity and humility uh, to wait on God. And then Dan preached uh, last Sunday on a humble person, you know, fears the Lord. Micah 6, 9, listen, the Lord is calling to the city and to fear your name is wisdom. You read through the Bible and that, that idea that fearing God and wisdom are linked is all through the Old Testament. And I know that what you're supposed to say when you talk about the fear of God is you're supposed to say, hey, look, that doesn't mean that he's scary. That means that, you know, he's awesome and that you honor him. But the truth is that God is scary. And I think sometimes we forget that in the 21st century church. Uh, and anyone who thinks, nah, he's just a loving, like, yes, he's loving and he's kind and he's good, but he's also pure and holy and just. And if there's not a part of you that is a little bit afraid of God, that, that's a healthy thing. Look, all you've got to do is read the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 6, I think it is. That's New Testament, baby. Who knows the story of Ananias and Sapphira? All right. Half of you or so. Real quick, in a nutshell, this is after Jesus has died on the cross, after he's risen from the dead, after he's ascended to heaven, after the early church has taken off. So all of we're in the new covenant now. We're not having to sacrifice things. God loves us. God looks at all of us through the lens of Jesus Christ. And the new church is flourishing and people are being super generous and uh, giving money to the church and some of them are selling their houses and giving money to the church and this couple come along and they're not the worst couple in the world. Do you know what their big sin was? They sold their house 
gave most of the money to the church and then told a tiny wee porky about how much they sold their house for. Like if you came to me and you said, Josh, I've sold my house, I would like to give $500,000 to activate. And then I found out later you'd actually sold it for 600000 I would think, that's a bit weird. But I wouldn't think they are the worst people in the world. But that's what happened. They came along, they gave the money to the church. The church said, hey, is this what you got for your house? They went, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were telling a little wee white lie. And so Ananias, the guy, comes along, has a conversation with Peter. Peter says, I don't know why you felt you had to lie about this. Bang! God kills him. I can't sugarcoat it. That's exactly what happened. They rolled his body up in the mat that he dropped dead on and carried him out of the house. A couple of hours later, his wife comes in and Peter sets her up, man. Peter says, hey, uh, you know the money that you gave to church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was what you got for your house, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Peter says to her, I don't know why you felt you had to lie about that. Listen, you can hear the footsteps of the men coming back into the room that just carried your husband's body out. Bang, she drops dead. The Bible says that a holy fear fell on the church. Do you know what that fear was? It was not, oh, God's so awesome. Oh, God's just so loving. I so honor God. It was holy snot. Those guys got executed for telling a lie. I am. They were a little bit afraid. So, I don't know why I felt the need to tell that story. It just amuses me. I'm just saying, right, like there is a healthy Fear. The Bible says it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We come into this church, we worship him, we talk about how much he loves us and he does, how he died on the cross for us and he did, how everything good comes from him and it does, but he's also a God that does not stand for lying or deceit or any of that nonsense and don't think that you can come into church and live one way during the week and then exist in this place. Because the more that God comes into this house, the more Holy Spirit we have, the more presence of God that comes in, the more uncomfortable that's going to get. I really don't want anyone dropping dead in this church. Until you've given all of your money to church, didn't you? No, it's a joke. That is a joke. I was talking to a pastor the other day, and I was like, what's the weirdest thing that's happened in your church? And he said, when I've been pastoring for about two years, he said, a guy in the second row leaned forward and gave a word just like I had a couple of people this morning. He said, and I thought, that's not really a word for the church, that's more a word for him. He said, I turned around, I put my hand on his shoulder, and as soon as I touched him, he dropped dead. Had an aneurysm in the church. And uh, he said, the band just kept playing because we didn't really know what to do. And I thought, yeah, I wouldn't know what to do either. He said, we had a couple of nurses, so we're like doing CPR and stuff in the room. And, and he's telling the story, and the whole time, I'm thinking he's going to finish it by saying, and we raised him back up, and then he just kind of peed it out. And I said, so... What happened? He said, oh, he died. I said, holy moly, dropping dead in the church. That's why we're trying to get as many young adults in here as possible, because that lowers the chances of that. That's a joke. It's a joke for you older people. We love the older people as well. There's no one old here. Sorry, you're all young in spirit, right? And then, and then the last one, this is the last one, then we're going to break into groups. A humble person, look, we, we couldn't talk about humility, right, without talking about serving others. I'm going to open up my Bible at, oh, I know, 
I'm not, I'm not actually used to doing this in front of everybody. Mark 10. I'll just sum up the story. I've got the verse for it next. So you've got Jesus and his 12 disciples, and two of the disciples come to him, James and John, they're brothers. And I love the way that the NIV puts it, so I actually am going to read it to you. They've been hanging out with him for a while now, and they've decided they want to ask him something. And so they come to Jesus and they say, hey, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's a weird way to start a conversation with Jesus, right? It's almost like they've had this chat and they've gone, oh, we don't know if he's going to do what we want us to do. So let's just try and trick him and just say, hey, before we tell you what it is, just promise you'll do it and then we'll tell you. We want you to do whatever we ask. And Jesus doesn't fall for it. He says, well, what do you want me to do? And they say, well, when we die, one of us wants to sit at your right hand in heaven and one of us wants to sit at your left hand. And Jesus basically says, hey, look, you don't really know what you're asking. Uh, do, do you have... Are you prepared to drink the drink that I drink and to be baptized the way that I'm baptized? What he's saying is, are you prepared to sacrifice your life in the same way that I sacrifice mine? And of course, at the time, they don't have a clue what they're in for. So they go, yeah, 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 we could totally do that. And he says, all right, well, then you will. Uh, but you, you can't sit on my right side or left side. That's not my decision. And it says a little bit later on that the disciples heard about it and they were really ticked off. They were indignant with James and John, and this fight kind of starts up, and in the end, Jesus says, you know what, I've got to, look, we've got to sort this out. Everybody come together, I'm going to teach you something. And so he pulls all of his disciples together, and he says, you know, this is in Mark 10, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So a humble person serves others. And there's so many verses that I could have put up there to prove this point. So we've got seven signs of humility here. I recognize I can't do anything without God. I include God in my day. I confess my sins to others, I engage my faith, I wait on the Lord, I fear God, and I serve others. So what I'm going to do is break into groups this morning, no more than five, no less than three, four is a good number, all right, and we're going to, I want you to just ask yourself this question and the people in your group, which one of these seven do you think for you comes the easiest? A nice fun one to start. Are we going to move on to just a second? Some interesting things popping up around the Greece, but just very quickly, by a show of hands, which one of these comes the easiest? How many people found that number seven, serving others, was probably the easiest? Look at that. Great. So the sign-up sheet for host team is just out there. <laughs> wow. What about um, recognizing I can't do anything without God? Is there anyone that was like, that's, that's like, for me, that's number one? Awesome, cool. Uh, including God in my day? Yeah. Uh, confessing my sins to others. Who found that like one of these? Is, I actually find that one quite hard, I think. I think it gets harder the, the, more, the more mistakes you make. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't have the time. Uh, engaging my faith. Cool, Daniel. Uh, waiting on the Lord. 
Well, not a lot of hands up for that one, right? Like that's a, that's not something that we find easy. Fearing God. Yeah. And serving others, we've done awesome. So let's move on to the next question, which is a little, you need to flick back onto my PowerPoint for me, Caitlin. But the next question is, which one of these seven uh, do you find the hardest? All right, which should follow on because you've been evaluating all of them. So which one of these do I most struggle with? All right. All right, let's move on. We're going to do one more, one more to wrap up. So which one of these do I most struggle with? Show of hands again. Listening and paying attention. Anyone struggle with that? All right, I recognize that I can't do anything without God. Is that something that some people struggle with? Yeah, very good. Thank you for being honest. Including God in my day. Who struggles to do that? Yeah. Uh, confessing my sins to others. I think that in all seriousness, that's, that's a hard one. I wonder, keep your hands up. Just, just looking around what the ratio of male to female is around that. There's definitely, there's, there's, you know, there's definitely more men than women. But uh, engaging my faith, a few people. Uh, waiting on the Lord. Anyone that struggled with that one? Yeah, it's not surprising because hardly anyone put their hand up for that being a strength. Uh, fearing God. Yeah, awesome. And serving others. Lucky my wife's not in here. Because she'd be telling me off. David's got two hands up, really. His wife and kids aren't here because he forgot to bring them. No, joking. (laughs) All right, last question, and then we're going to wrap up by praying for each other. But which one of these seven am I going to work on? But most importantly, how am I going to work on it? Right, so I'll give you a bit of time for this one. If you had to pick one of these seven things, it doesn't have to be the one that you struggled the most with. That might be like, you know what, that's for future Alea to worry about, right? Like, let's maybe pick an easy one. So just pick one of those seven that you feel like God said, hey, you can make some good progress on this short term. Get some wins under your belt. But I want you to discuss in your group, and this is where you can ask your group, hey, this is the one that I want to work on. Let's get some creative ideas going. How would I work on this? All right, go for it. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. What we're going to do very quickly. Good job. Who's, who's got some, some thoughts to take away this week? Something, something, something practical you're going to implement, you're going to try and put it in place. Very good. I'll get you to just turn the music down for me, Mike. Thank you. Uh, and just really quickly, I'll just grab two or three people so they can share what God has talked to them about. Dan, what is one thing that you're going to work on and how are you going to work on it? Um, my one thing is how I'm going to work on it. My three things are hoping that I'm going to tick off by doing that. Um, so I was hoping to tick off, uh, include God in my day, uh, tick off engaging my faith and recognizing I can't do anything without God. Um, and the practical thing for me would be is, you know, before I see my clients for training and stuff, is actually making a point of praying before each session. Um, so hopefully I can hear from God about you know, where he wants me to lead conversations um, and engage with the clients and bring God into that situation. And hopefully that changes things that I can start to recognize what I can't do without God. That's very good. I like that. So you're going to tick off, recognize I can't do anything without God, include God in my day, and engage my faith all in the same action. That's smart. All right. What have you guys got to share, this group, real quickly? Uh, we talked about the fact that to do any of those things, 
probably just weighing up what you're prepared to sacrifice to get them. So one of the ones was talking around actually waiting on God, was going, well, before I do like leisure things like watching TV or something like that in the evening, make sure that do the things that actually really matter first, and then if there's time, then go do the other things. So prioritizing priorities. Yeah, that's good. It's important to recognize that all these things that we're talking about, they do require uh, a sacrifice. Like there's a price or a cost associated you know, with this. Um, I've been talking with God recently about you know, just wanting to, I guess, grow in Him, move on to the next level in God. And uh, while I was at conference, I woke up uh, early in the morning with some song lyrics going through my head from a song called Mr. Brightside by The Killers. Some of the younger people will, will know that song. There's two lines in that song that go, but that's just the price I pay, destiny is calling me. And those were the two lines that I, I woke up with in my head. And I felt like God said, hey, look, I hear what you're asking for, but you need to be really clear about what it's going to cost you. And so all the stuff that we're talking about, whether it's involving God in your day or confessing your sins to others or serving, there's always a cost associated with it. And so you need to ask yourself if it's something that you're prepared to pay. Wendy, what was your work on? Including God in my day more. Yep. And how are you going to do that? Try to structure my day more so that I can say first thing in the morning I can do something. Then make sure I put a few minutes aside each lunchtime when I'm lunching and tea time. You can do it, all those sort of things, but it's structuring it into your life. Uh, it's, it's, it's not sexy structure, but it's super important, right? Like there's a saying in... in professional development, which is that you should never start your day until you finish it. Never start your day until you finish it. What that means is that you kind of, you know, you've got to organize, you've got it structured before you start. There's another saying, right, you either run the day or the day runs you. One of my favorite sayings is, which I was sharing with these guys before, is that there's always enough time in the day to do everything that God wants you to do. So if you get to the end of the day, like Jared was saying, and you're like, well, I'm about to sit down and watch some Netflix, but you haven't read your Bible, you haven't spent time with God, you haven't uh, you know, included God in your day, then maybe it's because there's stuff in your day that God wasn't asking you to do. There's always enough time in your day to do everything that God's asked you to do. Finish with Sean. What was your guy's takeaway? All right, probably runs on. I'm waiting on the Lord, so I'm a busy guy, definitely striving really hard to cram as much in my day as possible. So um, yeah, try and give 30 minutes every morning and I shut down everything, my phone, and I just put a little bit of music in the background, and I close my eyes, actually lie on the floor, and um, really, uh, yeah, really just tune my spirit into him. And then I try and do the same thing at lunchtime as well. So, um, yeah, just trying to do that more and more, man. That's awesome. How many mums think that sounds like a brilliant idea? Just shut everything off, lie down with my eyes closed for half an hour. That's, that's, that's great. But it's that resetting of things, right? Fantastic. All right, let's finish by just praying for each other. All right, short prayers, don't need to be super long. I think the kids have been out in the kitchen making chocolate chip cookies. So we should be getting some of those, I think, hopefully. Bethany, are we getting chocolate chip cookies? Yes. All right, very good. That's your reward. We're going to train you. Break into groups and pray, get a chocolate cookie. Break into groups and pray, get a chocolate cookie. Awesome.
awesome. All right, well, if you're praying, feel free to continue praying, but that's the end of our service for today. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Feel free to shoot out into the foyer and grab a coffee and a, a chocolate biscuit. Look forward to seeing you all next Sunday.